Welcome to another episode of Franz Ward's podcast series, Shoveling Smoke. I'm Chris Kaler, a partner of Franz Ward and your host for today's podcast. When we first started these podcasts, we told you that we would be talking to many of our Franz Ward attorneys about the legal issues that are impacting your businesses and your lives. But we also planned from time to time to have outside guests to bring us different perspectives on what is happening on the legal landscape. That's what we'll be doing today. Here with me as our first outside guest is Judge Brendan Sheehan, a judge of the Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas and the court's current administrative judge. First, a little background on Judge Sheehan. He's a proud Clevelander and a graduate of St. Edward High School in Lakewood. He obtained his bachelor's degree from Baldwin Wallace, his law degree from Cleveland Marshall, and he holds a master's in judicial studies from the University of Nevada. Before joining the bench in 2009, Judge Sheehan saw the law from many different angles. He served as Judge Donald Nugent's chief law clerk in the United States District Court in Cleveland. He had a civil practice, and he also served as an assistant Cuyahoga County prosecutor. At this point, he truly has seen it all. Most importantly, Judge Sheehan is married to a fellow judge, Judge Michelle Sheehan of the Cuyahoga County Court of Appeals. And you have how many kids, Judge? I have three, three, uh, two, two girls and a boy. One's in medical school, one's uh, at Miami, and my third is graduating from St. Ed's and will be the uh, another Miami uh, of Ohio college student. <laughs> I suppose if I wanted to test your ju- judicial abilities and temperament, I could ask you which one is your favorite, but uh, I won't yeah, put right. you on the spot. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> the first, first thing that struck me as I was preparing to talk to you today is the fact that you've now been on the bench 12 years, and I think I've knew you before you were on the bench. Does that seem like a long time to you or uh, a short time? You know, Chris, I have to say time flies when you're having fun. Uh, It truly, I mean, it seems like yesterday I was starting my first jury trial. Uh, 350 trials later, I'm still uh, here. And uh, it's just been a great honor to serve Cuyahoga County. Well, do you have any thoughts on how the legal landscape has changed since you became a judge? What's, What's happened in those last 12 years? You know, I I will tell you, Chris, one thing that I have seen change is, and and it's kind of goes to your audience, is civil trials and uh, the lack of civil trials in our courthouse. And that could be because the lawyers are doing such a great job or because uh, people are finding other ways with mediation, arbitration. But when I started in that courthouse, I could tell you there were, we probably would have 300 jury civil jury trials, and um, now we're down to less than 100. Uh, so it's something interesting to watch on the civil side, the, the trial decrease. Do you prefer uh, doing civil or criminal trials, or uh, are they the same to you? You know, I, I love them both. I really do. Um, I, the criminal is always interesting. There's always some twists and turns. But the civil, I have to compliment, the civil lawyers are do such a great job and they're so well prepared that I, it's a pleasure to preside over a civil trial and uh, observe and watch the lawyers do their thing. So it's good stuff. Do you get feedback from jurors after trials, whether, you know, they are generally more interested in the civil trials or the criminal trials? You know, um, it's interesting. I thought I had one case. It was like a computer 
patent issue. And it was tried to me, and I thought it was the most boring trial ever with, with documents and everything. And that jury just loved it because the lawyers brought to life the ways, uh, the, the evidence, and it was just good stuff. So, I, you know, I, I enjoy both. Uh, and, and I have to tell you, um, the jurors do enjoy uh, good lawyering and good practices in the courtroom. So it, it's, it doesn't matter if it's a civil or criminal. Uh, it is great to watch our jurors uh, and talk to them afterwards. Um, I had a great pleasure. I, I have to tell you a story, Chris. Uh, your managing partner, Chris Kime, and I were fellow prosecutors, and uh, him, him and I were actually trying a case together, and uh, it was probably one of my favorite trials ever, and uh, despite Chris's lack of talent in the courtroom, uh, it was uh, fun, <laughs> and I'm joking, he's just a tremendous lawyer, uh, we had, it's just, it was talking to the jurors after these trials, they come back and they, they just, they enjoy uh, good lawyering, they enjoy they 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 love the service they're doing to their community and they feel good about what they've done after they leave that courthouse so it's 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 a it's great to talk to them after it's uh it's been a frustration of uh people like myself and I've talked to Chris Kime and others about this as well that um what we really like to do is be in the courtroom sometimes and, and to actually try cases. So the fact that, as you mentioned, uh, the number of civil trials is going down has been a challenge for us as to how to, you know, get that action that we like to to get and then we're not able to get so much anymore. You know, Chris, uh, one thing I have to tell you, um, the uh, NYU Law School contacted me a couple years ago and this was a big concern of mine is people who know me out in the community know that I love being in court. I love being in trial. I love trials. Uh, and I, and they, they said to me, what are we going to do about our lack of civil jury trials? And we actually uh, formed a task force in Cuyahoga County and members from all different uh, aspects of the civil community and said, what can we do? And, and to, to ensure that people's Seventh Amendment right is being utilized in our courthouse. And one of the things we, we wanted to do is the confidence of the jurors. And people wanted to make sure that there was confidence in that jury decision. So things that we've done is we've allowed jurors to take notes. We've allowed jurors to ask questions. We've allowed, um, you know, better uh, jury instructions given to them during the trial. Um, and, and when I was trying cases back in my day, I said, I would never want a juror to ask a question. And, and, and the lawyers are very hesitant of it. But I tell you, everyone who has agreed to do it and has allowed it to happen, they get it. They see what the jurors are missing or not missing or where their minds are at. And it just, it puts together a better decision. And I, I tell you, this it's just something I'm hoping after COVID that we can get moving on. And 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 it's a, it's a tremendous art that we have as lawyers in trying cases. And I think people need to remember, we can't lose our Seventh Amendment right to jury trials. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Well, speaking of COVID, you became administrative judge of the court in October of 2019. So you had a, a few months of normalcy, I suppose, before the pandemic hit. Um, how, how does, first of all, how do you become administrative judge besides drawing the short straw? Right. Um, people would say drawing the short straw is it. But it's an election of uh, my colleagues. There's 34 common pleas judges and all the judges vote on who they want as the next administrative judge. Um, the 
person prior to me was Judge John Russo, and Judge Russo had served six terms, and he was done. And um, I, w- I put my hat in the ring, and my colleagues all supported me. And I'm proud to say I was elected the administrative judge in 2020 and uh, presiding judge, and that means over the domestic courts, the probate court, and juvenile courts. So I'm the administrative and presiding judge. And so there's over 50 judges I oversee, policy, uh, procedures. And you think that was great. So I get elected in January of 2020. I'm on a honeymoon. I, I, you know, everything's off to a good start and I got some issues. I'm getting comfortable in my spot and then March hits. And, um, are you telling me that when John Russo gave you the administrative judge playbook, there wasn't a chapter for dealing with national pandemic? There was nothing about national pandemics anywhere. And uh, Judge Russo laughs because uh, those of your viewers can't see me. But when I started, I had darker hair. Uh, I, I, I started getting a lot grayer. As you knew me, Chris, I, I got a lot grayer. But uh, poor Judge Russo lost all his hair when he was administrative judge. But anyways, uh, the the issue that, that happened was uh, March, I'm sitting in my office, and I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, I look and I get a meeting with Dr. Bruner, who is our uh, medical doctor in our jail facility. And and she comes to see me and she says, Brendan, uh, we have an issue. And I go, what's that, doctor? She goes, you heard about this virus. I go, yeah, I heard something. It's in China. Uh, All of a sudden, she said, uh, when this virus hits, it's not if it hits, but when it hits, our jail population is so large right now that we are not going to be ready for this and we are going to uh, be in a lot of trouble and there's going to be deaths in that county jail. So I immediately called an emergency meeting of all the judges and I, I remember the first thing we did is we canceled jury trials. And the second thing we did was let's get a game plan to resolve and get cases resolved quicker in that county jail. And so I, I come home that night. We put our, our Darren Toms, our media advisor, sent out a press release, did this, that we canceled jury trials. I'm getting calls from the Supreme Court and my colleagues around the state saying, what in the heck's wrong with you, Shan? Why are you canceling jury trials? And I said, well, you know, we're concerned. I, I go through this. I'm still being laughed at by all my colleagues like I'm jumping the gun. All of a sudden, uh, the president of the United States is on the media the next day saying, uh, we have a serious pandemic and this is a big issue. Bring everyone out back home. And then the NBA canceled their season. And let me tell you something. When the NBA canceled their season, then people said, Sheehan, what did you know that all of a sudden you canceled jury trials? No one cared about the president. But when the NBA canceled, that was when the, the they said I had some inside info. But we were, I'm, I'm proud to say, uh, Chris, that we were ahead of, honestly, God, we led the nation in dealing with this pandemic, not only in the way we responded with the jail, not only how we responded with our court, we were the first ones to make people wear face masks in our jail before, or in our jail, in our jail and in our courthouse before anyone was even talking about face masks are required. And it's not because uh, I'm someone who's so smart. It, I had great advisors. I had Metro Hospital who was listening and talking to me. And I had great colleagues, uh, collaboration with the prosecutor, the executive, the sheriffs. And we all put this together. And I'm proud to say we were a national headline of what we did right. And everyone was trying to follow our lead. So I'm proud to say uh, there was no playbook, but it was just a lot of luck and a lot of collaboration between everyone. 
It sounds like everybody was uh, uh, thankfully on the same page and you didn't get a ton of pushback from your colleagues on the bench. No, I mean, I, I've got great colleagues and, uh, you know, there's a lot of skeptic, skeptics and people thinking, why are we doing this so quickly? But they all fell in the line and they all saw what we were doing. And and I think the key to that is just communication with everyone, just talking about it. And one of the things that I'm when I talk about communication, keeping people informed is the Bar Association, another area that I felt like the civil firms. How does this pandemic affect the civil firms and their practice? And uh, I I formed a, a bench bar task force that I've met with weekly since this pandemic to talk about issues. What's going on in the civil world? What are, what, what are the needs of the lawyers and the law firms? We have such a rich legal community in this area. I couldn't let this pandemic de- decimate it. And I had to make sure that we are moving just the doors of the Justice Center cannot close. And we had to move justice and uh, we had to move cases. And we we're very lucky that um, the bar worked with us and we're still do- getting great ideas what to do. Believe me, we and our, our colleagues and my colleagues and our clients appreciated it because although you know, like the rest of the world for about a, you know three weeks to a month, everything kind of was at a standstill. Everybody really quickly uh, over at the courthouse figured out how to get business done. And uh, I'm sure you weren't familiar much with Zoom or any of those things um, (laughs) a a year ago, but it was amazing how technologically the court and the judges and the clients and the attorneys got uh, used to it, used to doing hearings and conferences by Zoom. Yeah, you know, um, I will be honest with you, Chris, in March, I had no idea what Zoom was. Matter of fact, I, I think Zoom was a show Chris Kime used to watch on TV. And, uh, you know, we, we chuckle about Zoom. But as we as we walked through, the first thing we did is we had to be able to communicate and, and let lawyers come in and have settlement conferences and have pretrials and have discussions with people. How do we do it? And we actually purchased all these Zoom accounts, um, made sure judges were able to work from different areas, have hearings. I mean, who would have thought a year ago we'd be doing uh, Zoom pleas from the county jail? We'd be doing Zoom settlement conferences in our courthouse. I mean, it's just amazing. And 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 one of the things that now that we're hopefully coming through the pandemic, um, I'm hoping this. there's a lot of things we can learn. Uh, when I, I sit back and I, I, I took over as administrative judge, one of the things I wanted to do is change the culture of our justice system. We've always heard about trying to make change and how hard it is. We've been given a, I mean, if there's a blessing in, in the COVID is the opportunity to make our justice system better. And how do we do that? We do that with our making making pretrials easier for lawyers. So you don't have to drive down to the courthouse and park your car and wait for a judge. You can just go on your computer and be there for the Zoom pretrial. You can see and talk to the your clients. You can do you folks can do depositions via Zoom. You don't have to travel all over the country. Um, there's some just great things that we're doing, and hopefully these changes will continue um, as we keep moving through. So you think some of these technological tools that were forced upon us uh, are here to stay uh, in some respects, even after we open up? Absolutely. Um, if I have it my way, I would, I, I'm encouraging judges to keep, uh, I mean, I've heard uh, 
lawyers tell me, hey, listen, I'd rather be in person because I get more done. I'm not saying that uh, that's that's not going to happen. But you know what? The the simple things that we can do by Zoom, it's going to be so much better for your clients, for the lawyers, for our legal community, that uh, I think that uh, we're, we're, we're taking surveys on it. And so far, all the surveys are saying we love the Zoom pretrials. We love the Zoom uh, things. Now, they want to be in, They you know, there's a lot of times that Judges are making your clients come down to that courthouse because they think there's a need, and I and and there's going to be that balance. But but I hope, uh, for the most part, people are going to keep that Zoom pretrials and not make people travel into the justice center for unnecessary meetings. What uh, so? What's the status now as far as um, how open you guys are and the status of jury trials, um, yeah. both in the criminal and civil arena? Well, um, it's funny, not only as administrative judge that I have to figure out how to do that, um, we are now doing something very different in Cuyahoga County. We are now doing call-in jury system. And what does that mean for your listeners? Before, when you were in jury service in Cuyahoga County, you'd get a summons. You'd have to show up on a Monday or a Wednesday. You'd wait on the fourth floor till your name is called and you're put on a case. Now we've done individual jurors for each case. So if, Chris, you have a trial coming and it's going to go, we've summoned a jury for your case only, and that's your jury. Uh, So that way, we, we did that for purposes of spacing and planning. But when I talk about spacing and planning, now we have not only the Justice Center, I had to convert the Global Center into a another courthouse. Um, So we have created courtrooms in the Global Center for civil cases and arbitrations and mediations so people can be socially distanced. Jurors can gather. So now we stage the jurors over at the Global Center. And those of you who don't know where the Global Center is, it's right across the street from Ontario. Uh, It's the Global Center for, uh, right, it's connected to the Convention Center. And we've converted all those places into courtrooms. And uh, we, if you get a chance, walk over there. Take a look. It's tremendous work. Um, the lawyers love it. The setup is great. And we've now allowed jurors to uh, have their trials over there. Less elevator issues, um, more room for spreading out. But the thing that we, we've did is we, we've set the trials now to start criminal matters April 26th. So on April 26th will be our first cases. Now, we're not going to allow 34 judges to start trying cases right away. So I had to limit the amount of cases. So we started with five courtrooms per day. So we're going to have on Monday, five courtrooms, Tuesday, five courtrooms, Wednesday, five courtrooms. And so we'll have 15 cases at most going in our courthouse each day. Um, And how do they go? I select them. So talk about pressure as administrative judge. The judges have to submit to me a case. I evaluate that case based on on the criminal side, the length of time in jail, the amount of time in, uh, the case will take. On the civil side, it's the a number of uh, witnesses, experts, length of trial, and length of age of case. And those are the factors I look at. So when I look at those things, I set the criminal, I set the civil cases, and they're ready to go. They get put on the calendar. It's out there for the community to know, and their case is going, and that judge is able to try it. So as a result of that, people say, well, what does that mean for you? It means I have to have a deputy walk around with me because a lot of people want to 
punch me because their case isn't going or on the list. But uh, in all honesty, it, it, it really, it, it puts a control factor in. So you're not getting people triple booking trials and it's more consistency. A trial date now means a trial date. You are having a jury come down for your case. So Chris, if your case is set, you know there's a jury coming for you. <laughs> are uh, civil trials or criminal trials going to get precedence over civil trials? Or are you going to um, move on parallel paths. Well, the first two weeks, uh, the first two weeks of April, we're doing them in uh, criminal only, uh, and that's because we want to get the backlog of defendants who are sitting in the county jail out of there, one way or the other. Um, after the two weeks, May tenth is going to be our start of civil trials, and we're going to uh, do the same thing we're doing with the criminal. The judges submit the case. Uh, the case gets to me. I look at all those factors and I decide which cases go, uh, which is uh, it, that starts in May. Now, but the one thing, Chris, I will tell you that I'm proud to say the civil cases haven't been sitting stagnant. And I'm, I'm proud to say that we've been doing ADR. We've been pushing mediation. We've been pushing judges to do pretrials. And it, it's just tremendous to to get the, all that stuff going because our staff, our, our judges are working those civil cases, trying to get those settlements done. Now, on the other hand, too, I should say bench trials have always been going on. I just want everyone to understand that criminal and civil jury trials have been halted, but bench trials have continued. So if you had a civil bench trial, that could always go whenever. But the jury trials are the ones that we are pushing on the calendar. Have you seen an increase or a decrease or status quo in the number of cases getting um, settled or resolved other ways uh, during the pandemic because there aren't trial dates? You know, um, I have seen uh, our civil cases. Uh, this is really interesting because before I came over here, I wanted to be prepared and I was looking at the numbers. We've had the same amount of civil cases filed to date now that we did last year, which is interesting. That's strange. And the, and, and the settlement of those cases have been, uh, has been equal. So the, the disposition of cases have been moving. So it, it is interesting to watch those numbers. Now, what someone has told me, I was talking to um, a defense research company. Um, I, I went out and spoke on their radio broadcast, and they were telling me, that this lag effect is going to happen a year down the road. So it's not, th these cases have been in the pipeline. Their cases have been, been filed. They've been on schedule for a year. But what we're going to see is the effect of COVID next year and, and the year after because of the, uh, the uh, way the, the, the filings have been. So we're going to see that issue in the next year or so, in my mind. So when we have Judge C in part two a year from now, we'll, we'll ask you about those statistics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one, one thing that I know is uh, of interest to a lot of uh, the, the lawyers and uh, business people in town is I know there are some plans being discussed for either a new courthouse or a renovated courthouse. Do you have any insight as to where that stands? Yeah. Um, I, when I took over as administrative judge, um, they were always plans about the new courthouse and a new jail. And uh, I took over that position and then it kind of was stagnated because of COVID. So we were off the radar for about a year with, the, with this group. That, those discussions just started picking back up. Uh, we're meeting uh, April 15th 
Uh, it's online. Your folks can, your listeners can watch it online. Um, the stakeholders all meet. We're discussing the Justice Center, ideas for the Justice Center, the cost to build a new Justice Center, the cost to renovate the current Justice Center. Um, I will tell all your listeners this. Whatever happens, I am one promise I can make to everyone. That Justice Center will be in downtown Cleveland. It's not going to be moved away from the center part of this community. As long as I'm here, that Justice Center needs to be in the center of Cleveland, and it will be there as long as I'm around. And it sounds like it's a very open process and that all the stakeholders are involved in the decision. Yeah, um, it is definitely. Uh, there's the executive, there's the prosecutor, there's every stakeholder involved that has a vote on this. And it's interesting um, because so far we've been all agreeable, but you know, when it comes down to keep pushing the uh, the ball forward, it's definitely getting uh, more more traction as uh, we we get talking about what's going to happen. And one of the biggest issues, and, and Chris, I will tell you this, we've, we're fortunate that we work with uh, one of your members on that uh, at, from Franz Ward regarding uh, Ian Frank has helped us out. Uh, we've, been, we've been using him as a consultant dealing with the Justice Center and the jail issues. And we're very lucky to have great, uh, great legal representation to help us see the issues. But one thing I always tell our listeners is, listen, ultimately, this is the taxpayer's money, taxpayer's dollars, and we need a budget. I'd love to build a mansion but if I don't have the money to do it, I can't do it. So uh, we're, we're waiting to see what the what the county comes up with a financial plan before any of these discussions really keep getting more dis- more movement on it. Well, as somebody who goes over there, and I'm sure you can appreciate somebody who uh, works there every day, uh, we, we understand it's it's needed, much needed, but um, <laughs> it's important to do it right. So it's, it's good that uh, all these considerations are uh, yeah. occurring. Well, it's kind of funny. If people want to see what a new Justice Center looks like, go to the Global Center and take a look at how we designed those courtrooms over there. Well, Judge, uh, we do appreciate you coming, but we want to be respectful of your time because we know you've got a busy uh, docket and a lot to do over there. Um, and uh, we could probably go on for another hour or so. But um, one thing we've been trying to do at the end of every every one of these podcasts is have a couple takeaways from our guest. Um, do you have any uh, concrete takeaways you could give to our listeners, our clients, or the citizens? Yeah, I mean, I would tell everyone, listen, um, the takeaway you have to understand is during COVID and after COVID, the justice system never closed down. We're there to serve the people. Uh, People may be frustrated with delays and different things, but people need to be patient, but we are we are we are moving the ball forward, and those of you who want change in our community, you're seeing you're going to see a lot of changes. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, your the the viewers and listeners and the lawyers all agree that uh, we're doing the right things to to keep moving the ball forward. Well, as again, as somebody who goes over there and and is, is on Zoom calls with you and your fellow judges, uh, we do appreciate your leadership and uh, what you've done to keep the justice system moving during these times. Uh, that hasn't happened in all aspects of the economy, and it's really impressive what you've done over there. So we thank you for that. Well, Chris, thank you, and and thank you for having me, and uh, thank you uh, to your firm for doing this. Thank sure. you. So that wraps up another episode of uh, Shoveling Smoke. Thanks for checking in with us and we hope you listen next time thanks judge thanks chris shoveling smoke is a production of evergreen podcasts our producer and audio engineer is sean rule hoffman thanks for listening